Hi, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. And I am pleased to introduce to you Donna Anderson. Donna, welcome to Mind Talk. I'm so glad to be here, Pamela. Thank you for inviting me. Now, Donna uh, is the author of Love Fraud, How Marriage to a Sociopath Fulfilled My Spiritual Plan. She's also the author of Red Flags of Love Fraud, the Red Flags of Love Fraud workbook, and the popular website, lovefraud.com. So, Donna, what is love fraud? Well, well, let me mention first of all how I uh, got into this uh, to give your uh, listeners some context. Um, my first husband turned out to be a con man. Uh, this guy took a quarter million dollars from me. He cheated with at least six different women during our two-and-a-half-year involvement. He had a child with one of those women, and then 10 days after I left him, he married the mother of the child, which turned out to be the second time he committed bigamy. Now, I, of course, didn't know any of this stuff uh, when I got involved with him, and when I finally started putting the pieces together, I was, like, blown away. I'm like, you know, what type of person does something like this? And I was speaking to my therapist at the time and uh, telling her about all this insane behavior that I was witnessing, and she said to me, it sounds like he's a sociopath. And I'm like, sociopath? What is that? And, uh, and you know, here I am. I, I was a, a journalist. I was a business owner. I had a college degree. And I was clueless about what this uh, could possibly be. So I did some research, and sure enough, uh, I came across some books that talked about this personality disorder and discovered that that's exactly a perfect description of my ex-husband. And what I wanted to do was educate people about this. And so now I consider love fraud to be any um, manipulation that is in the context of a personal relationship in which the target ends up being exploited. So um, I, I launched lovefraud.com, my website, in 2005, and since then have spoken to and heard from literally thousands of people who have had similar situations. And so the goal at this point is to educate people about love fraud and so that they can recognize the warning signs and avoid it, or if it is already in their lives, figure out how to get out of these situations. One of the books that you have written, uh, The Red Flags of Love Fraud, starts out with some scenarios, and and they're all kind of similar. I, I'd like to, you to start out with your story, though. How did you meet your husband? I mean, as you just described him, he sounded like he was quite the busy camper. How did you meet him? Well, I met him online, and this was back in 1996. It was the beginning of Internet dating. And at that time, uh, we didn't all know that it was full of scammers. In fact, it wasn't full of scammers. I mean, back in the early days, it, it was um, you could reasonably expect that what somebody was saying to you was close to the truth at any rate, or at least that's what I 
thought. And so I met him online, um, but it wasn't a long-distance relationship. He lived about a half an hour away from me, although he was originally from Australia. So, uh, you know, the first time I talked to him, he's got this cool Australian accent, and he's and he's talking about um, all his um, accomplishments. He told me that he was a screenwriter in Hollywood. Um, he also told me that he had served uh, in the military during the Vietnam War for Australia. I mean, I didn't even know Australia was in the Vietnam War, but they were. And he claimed to have uh, won the Victoria Cross, which is the equivalent of the Congressional Medal of Honor in the United States uh, for his heroism. Um, and he seemed to have documentation to back it up. He was sending me all these um, like copies of the uh, incident report when, when he was a hero and saving all his comrades. He was active in the uh, local Vietnam Veterans Association. Um, he was active in politics. Uh, he started a Lions Club in the community. I mean, this man presented himself to be this significant and um, steadfast entrepreneur, and it was all fake. I mean, the guy was never in the military. You know, he, he he walked my dog every morning wearing a, a beret, a, a special forces beret, and and he was never in the military. Well, you know, so I was going to say, as you describe this guy, I'm thinking, okay, so he's like 108 years old, right? But how old did he tell you he was? Uh, he was. He told me he was 49 at the time, okay. and I was 40. Um, he he was lying. He was. 55, um, but, you know, I mean, it wasn't that far off, uh, although he lied about that. And, and he, he gradually told me how old he really was. You know, first he said he was 50, and, and then he said, well, you know, I, I was a little older than that. And essentially I said, well, why didn't you tell me the truth? And he said, well, you know, everybody lies. And I'm like, well, I didn't lie, you know, in, in my profile or anything. But uh, the, the bottom line was that I was totally unprepared for the idea that somebody who presented himself to be um, so um, accomplished and 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 was had all these business relationships and everything was a total fraud. I, I had no idea that this was possible, and and so essentially, I just fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. As unfortunately, so many people do. Was at least the Australian accent real? Yes, he was from Australia. Okay. In fact, uh, you know, our, our first wedding, because uh, we got married, we went to Australia. And that was another whole story about essentially what he wanted to do is that he wanted to get me committed before I had time to figure it out. So he concocted this whole story about how um, if, if, if we didn't get it this year, they were cha- if we didn't get married th- that particular year, which was 1996 – uh, the government was changing the um, qualifications for spouses to receive pensions. And if we didn't get married that year, then I, it was possible that I would not be eligible for his military pension. And so, and plus he, you know, dangled this trip to Australia in front of it, which I paid for, of course. And um, so it, it was it was just amazing that the complexity of what he would come up with in order to um, keep me distracted and to convince me that he was who he said he was. So I met his family. You know, I, I met his his mother and I met his sister and I met his his brother. Now, get this. His brother and his brother's wife were both psychologists at Bond University in Queensland, Australia. Oh, no. Okay? Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And so neither of them, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm visiting them and my sister-in-law, Laurel, her name was, I mean, she's giving me advice for the bride-to-be and essentially says, you know, the key to relationship is acceptance. I mean, you know, you, you have to accept what he is. I mean, these people are, are like – they testify in court on, 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 you know, criminal cases, and they can't spot that their, their own brother or brother-in-law is a sociopath. So how did he get around? I mean, I, when you first meet the family, I mean, they're certainly asking you about you. But, you know, on some levels, you're saying you're asking them about him. How did he get around those kinds of conversations? Essentially, he had been out of the country for many years. Okay. Uh, you know, so he he had he had left and you know went to Australia in um, uh, maybe five six years before I met him. I think it was eighty nine or something like that. So he so he had been out of the country, and uh, they just kind of rolled with it. Although it was it was kind of funny because when I met his his mother and you know meeting her was like like meeting my grandmother, you know, it was just this nice little old lady, a pensioner, and she liked to uh, play the slot machines there in Australia. And so he would tease her about the slot machines, and she said to him, oh, you lying thing, you know. So she knew that at least he was lying, but she but she, she didn't know the extent of, of what the deception was. And it was kind of said in passing, and of course I didn't pick it up because he was always telling tall stories. And, and so, and you know, you knew he was making them up. So uh, I, I didn't pick up that she was actually speaking the truth about what this man was. So your first impression of him is this is his really nice guy, well-spoken, well-accomplished, and he really cares about me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought I was in the bonfire of vanities and I was marrying one of the masters of the universe. I, you know, that's how it was presented to me. And, you know, and what's going through my mind is that, you know, I'm 40 years old. I had never been able to really make a connection. And my time has come. I, I, there was, it was worth the wait. This is the person that I was, I was meant to hook up with. did it take uh, him to propose to you after you met? Um, very fast, like within a week. Within a week? 
Yes. I mean, we had been corresponding for about a month before we actually met. And then, you know, by the time we met, then it was uh, within a week. And it, it was it was so dramatic that, you know, I, and like I said, I, I thought that I had met the person I'd been waiting for all my life. And this is actually very typical of what sociopaths do. I mean, what they do is that they figure out what it is that you are looking for and they present themselves to be that person. And that's exactly what he did. You know, I was looking for someone who had a lot of energy, who was a go-getter, who was a successful business person, and um, and that and and that's what he presented. Of course, he presented that image to everybody else as well, but he certainly um, made sure that that's the impression that I had. So actually, what he was able to do is to take a look at your profile and just create the person you said you wanted. Yes. Yes. And that's what all sociopaths do that in the seduction process. And that's one of the reasons why online dating is so dangerous, because when you're creating this profile, essentially what you're doing is that you are giving a predator a roadmap to what you are looking for. And they just read that profile and they continue to ask questions and um, and then they make themselves to be what you're looking for. And then they say, look at this, you know, it's fate. We're soulmates. We're meant to be together. Well, in hindsight, and you've certainly written about this extensively, what were some of the red flags that you noticed but didn't notice? Well, the the main one was how quickly he moved the relationship along. Okay. Um, you know, because as I said, he proposed within a week. Um, he would call. Um, he, he would. I mean, I never experienced anything like it. He. Um, would get his, he called it the diary, you know, which would be our calendar. He says, okay, so, you know, which nights are we staying at your place and which nights are we staying at my place? And, you know, and he, and he would map this whole thing out. And of course, you know, I'm like swept off my feet thinking that, you know, this guy is so in love with me that he wants to spend all his time with me when in a reality, what he's doing is monopolizing me. And he's monopolizing, you know, my time, and he he wants to be around me all the time, and, and that's one of the main things that they do. Is it? And now what I know is that it's called love bombing, and what they do is that they shower you with a pen, attention and affection. They tell you how wonderful you are, and then you know you make you they make you feel like you're on this pedestal, and you're and you're so high up in the air that you, you can't breathe because the air is so thin, and you know you feel like this person is just. Um, thinks you're the the most wonderful person in the world, and and you fall for it all. I mean, because if you know if you if you're looking for a partner, who doesn't want a partner who thinks you're wonderful? Absolutely, <laughs> you know, right, right. And, and clearly, so, he fell in love with you at at first sight. Amazing. He fell in love with my <laughs> bank account is what I, he did. I got you. you. Know? <laughs> yeah. You know, but he, but oh yeah, you know, and plus, oh, and the other thing that he did, which um, I now recognize is um, a, a very typical ploy, is that he used what's called the pity play, and this is one of the typical things that a sociopath will do. A sociopath will often uh, do something to make you feel sorry for them. And what he did was that he told me, you know, about his wife before me who died. And she did. I mean, th- this part was true. I mean, the the woman died, and and she had a sudden heart attack. Um, but he didn't tell me that it happened like you know a week before he posted his ad. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. he he uh, it, it was uh, she died like the end of May, and and within a few days he had posted this ad on AOL.com, and and th- that's also typical of so- a sociopath. 
because they don't really for they they do not have the ability to love. So he had nothing to recover from because the woman before me was a target just like me. It's extraordinary. What else did you in in hindsight what else did you notice but but didn't notice at the time? Well, he started asking for money fairly quickly and um he, but he never presented it like he was asking for a handout. He the, the first thing that he asked me for, you know, was about I think it was like $5,000 or something like that. And he presented it as and I was investing in his business and it would be good for my portfolio. I mean, that's the way he presented it. In fact, he never ever asked me for money for himself. It was always, you know, something about the the businesses that they was trying to get started and uh it was for our future and you know, all he needed was a little bit of help to to get over the hump and then we would all be living in the lap of luxury. And that's the way he presented it to me. So, uh, what he did was he kind of flattered me um, you know, thinking that uh, I could be such a, a valuable member of his team as we pursued this, these goals together. And so, I mean, the way I felt about it was that, um, you know, I, I was in a position to be able to do this. And so um, I did it and that it would all come back to me um, many times over. You had an argument the night before the wedding. Can you tell yeah. us what that argument was about? Yes. Um, he came into – oh, I know what it was. Let me, let me back up. First of all, what happened was that when we went to Australia, uh, I was actually doing business with uh, a company that had um, a casino in Australia because I'm, I'm in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and, and a lot of my business was, was with the casinos. And so one of them had actually opened um, a business in Australia. So I thought this was really cool uh, because I was able to go interview my clients there in Australia. And um, one of the women who was uh, my client uh, took us to dinner uh, in, in the restaurant in the casino. And my ex-husband, like, dominated the conversation. I mean, you know, I, here I am with, like, two vice presidents of the casino, and they couldn't get a word in edgewise because of, you know, the, the way my, my husband was, was talking all the time. And so when we got back to the hotel – um, I, I made a comment. I said, you know, you, you, you should have let him talk. And he, and he just, you know, flew into a rage and says, well, you know, they could talk if they wanted to, and this is the way I handle, you know, and, and just went into this whole thing. So then I just kind of left and, and went into the bedroom of our suite, and he walks in and he throws the wedding ring on the, on the um, bed that he had bought. And, and it's like, so do you want to cancel the wedding tomorrow? You know, and I'm like, you know, I mean, the the reaction was so out of proportion. To I mean, we we were having a, a, a discussion or an argument about a business situation. So why is he calling off the wedding? And you know, I mean, the, the whole thing just kind of floored me, and I was I was I couldn't understand why he was doing this. But now what I know is that this is also a typical way that a sociopath will try to establish control. Um, over their people, uh, whoever their target is. And what they'll do is that they'll create this situation where it puts you in a position where you feel like you have to apologize. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, 
what every time they do that they they get a little more a little more control over you and that's what i did yeah i i apologized for upsetting him about this business argument and said you know no we're going to um you know continue with the wedding so 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 that's what it was but essentially what happens is that a sociopath will take advantage of anything that comes along in any situation in order to exert power and control over their target and and that's exactly what he did. So pretty scary kind of person. Yes, um, but you don't realize it, you know, because what they're doing is that he's he's still saying how much he loves me, and he's still telling me how wonderful I am, and, and talking about how great our future is going to be, and then he's um, you know doing these things as you go along uh, to get get you upset. So you're in this this situation of confusion because, you know, on the one hand, he's telling you how wonderful you are when you're getting married and, the, and you're, you're the woman he's been waiting for all, all his life. And on the other hand, he's taken my money and, you know, causing stupid arguments. So it's just a very confusing place to be where it's very hard to figure out what's going on. Donna, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the term sociopath and give the listeners an understanding of some of the clinical symptoms that have been identified uh, by the American Psychiatric Association as being evidence. They don't call it uh, sociopathy. They call it antisocial personality disorder. So we'll pick up with that as soon as we return. Folks, this is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk, and I'm having a conversation with Donna Anderson, who is the author of Many books, including the author of lovefraud.com, which is a website that you probably want to take a look at. In fact, you definitely want to take a look at it. discovering that they really have been or are in a relationship with a sociopath. You know, it's so easy to blame yourself for the behavior of others. What do you say to those folks? You know, I just wrote about this on my blog this weekend, and um, the title was 12 Reasons to Forgive Yourself for Falling for the Sociopath. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with things that we were talking about. I mean, the basic problem is that we don't know. We don't know that these people are out there. They are very, very good at what they do. And essentially what they do is they take advantage of our humanity. So um, most of us really don't stand a chance 
of um, really understanding you know, what these folks are, and, and, and we fall for it. So I say that we need to be gentle with ourselves and understand that you know, we are very you know, good and wholesome and caring and loving people, and they took advantage of that um, to take advantage of us. For those folks who are, whether it's religious reasons or historical family reasons, make the commitment, and I'm thinking about marriage, that in their minds and in their hearts, once married, always married, no matter what's going on in the relationship. What do you say to them? Um, I would say that it's not going to get better. And in all honesty, they might want to think about whether or not they, well, especially in a religious context, um, does God want you to suffer? Okay? I mean, how are you honoring God by suffering in this situation when someone is has no heart and no conscience and um, no remorse about what they're doing. And and I'm not sure that that's really what God wants from us, is, is to suffer in these situations once we realize the truth of what we're dealing with. At the beginning of our conversation today, um, I shared that you've said that marriage to a sociopath fulfilled your spiritual plan. How? Essentially... I had lessons to learn in my own life, and the lessons had to do with understanding my um, value and with unlocking my ability to love. Um, I had developed the mistaken idea that I was only worthy of love based on what I could do for people. And you know this this actually happens a lot in that my experience with a sociopath was so painful and so shattering that it actually shattered the, these ideas that were mistaken ideas, and it shattered the um, defenses that I had built around myself. And once I went through that process, which is very painful, I spent a lot of time crying. Uh, a lot of time, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. But once I got to the other side, I truly developed an ability to love. And uh, about a year after I was divorced, I met uh, my new husband, who was wonderful and was the man that I was always looking for. And we've been happily together ever since. It's been 16 years now. That's wonderful. Donna Anderson, author of Red Flags of Love Fraud, 10, side, 10 Signs, You're Dating a Sociopath, with, which also has a workbook attached to it. Love Fraud, uh, How Marriage to a Sociopath Fulfilled My Spiritual Plan. Lovefraud.com. So many important comments and pieces of wisdom in connection to being in relationship with people who are, you know, on the face of it, quite charming and everything that you looked for. I have to thank you so much for the for the work that you're doing, for the work that you will continue to do. I expect you to come back and talk to us about seniors and women. 
Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to do it. <laughs> and again, thank you so much for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a licensed clinical, medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is available to you on demand by going to M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. You can also download the Mind Talk app from the iTunes Store or from Google Play. You can sign up for Mind Talk at the iTunes Store. I want you to feel free to be in touch with me if you have any questions or comments about today's program or any other program. The email address for me is Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at MindTalk, M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. For those who want to be in touch with Donna Anderson, her web address is lovefraud.com. And folks, remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. Thank you.